Welcome back to the Bet on Yourself podcast. Today, we're going to continue talking about my new book, Bet on Yourself, which is just coming out in Europe on Thursday. Yes, for my Americans, that's Thanksgiving, um, November 26th. So a lot of you have been asking me about the writing process, and some of you have actually secretly shared with me that you think you might have a book in you. So whether it's a book or an article or any goal that might scare you just a little bit and not know how to get started. We're going to talk today a little bit about the process of creativity and how to prime ourselves for innovative thinking, whether that's an artwork, a book, a strategy memo, or something that just really needs to access another part of your brain that we can't just sometimes turn on at will. That was definitely my experience anyway. The book writing process for me was really long. A lot of people have asked me, so how long did it take you to write the book? I don't really actually know where to start the clock. If I'm honest with myself, we go all the way back to the beginning of like 2002 when I get that uh, first big job with Jeff Bezos, because I think those 15 years of experiences and stories helped me not only learn the best practices in the first place, but learn how to craft the message and to give that learning in a cohesive way to other people where they can then take action on it. But then if we start with how did I first start crafting the narrative that became the book, I think that really kind of starts in the fall of 2013. That's when I was asked to give my very first speech ever at a conference when I had never even been to a professional conference before, like for myself. I'd been on backstage when, you know, my CEO bosses were in major, major events, but I'd never attended one myself for my own professional development. So I didn't really know what I was doing. And everyone else on the speaking circuit was a professional speaker with professional PowerPoint decks. And I was there with like three index cards with some stories from the foundation of the internet to share. So that's really how I got my start. But over the following years, I've honed that message, but really that, that original story that I shared has, has kind of crafted and stayed as my, my core stump speech, if you could say, my signature talk. But then it wasn't until July of 2017 when I was introduced to a friend um, who ended up becoming my book agent. So we were at a 4th of July party and we were just chatting and, you know, sharing, well, who are you? What do you do? As you, you know, like we all do when we meet new people. And the next day he messaged me and he's like, no, really, in my professional opinion as a book agent, you've got something here. And that was the first time I, I really thought of it seriously because after my speeches, some people, if the me- message would really resonate with them, they would come to me and say, wow, please tell me you're writing a book. I, I really found that inspirational. I'm taking some action. Please tell me you're writing a book. I thought that was just a nice thing you said to speakers. And it wasn't until Steve reiterated it um, that I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that isn't just a, a nicety that people say. But that isn't the end of the story, like ta-da, bow on it. Um, it actually took him a year and a half from that moment before he got me my first in introduction conversation with HarperCollins. But even then, we hit it off right away. A month later, I flew down to their offices and we did a live whiteboarding session and ended up sketching out not one book, but three. It, even from that point, after that handshake deal, um, it was a full year later before we had the contract signed. That was February 4th of 2020. So yes, a year later, after we'd uh, done the handshake deal, we was finally signed. In the process, in, be- in between those dates, I had obviously been outlining the book and starting to work on the narrative and the tone and the voice and everything, but it wasn't until then I had the full green light. And then, of course, we know one month later, almost exactly, the pandemic struck. 
So I actually wrote two full versions of the book while in lockdown in Seattle. And then my publisher changed the publication day from March of 2021 to October in the US and November here in Europe. So I wanted to share that with you because a lot of these things, when, when I look at the people I admire the most, the authors that I wanna be like, the speakers that I, I want to emulate, it looks like they were overnight successes, but that is never the case. I guarantee every person or every project that looks like an overnight success was more likely a decade in the making. That has absolutely been true for me and for the CEOs I've worked for and all of the super performers that I admire. So again, just like I do in the book, I wanna use my career as a case study to inspire you that it is worthy of investment of time over the long haul. Even if you, for example, starting this podcast, we had no listeners in the beginning. You had, I had to launch, I recorded five full episodes before I load, uploaded them as uh, so we could have content and grow an audience. You just have to kind of bet on yourself and take that investment early. So my book, as you know, is for people who are starting out just like I did in 2002. Maybe you're starting your first job um, in an economy that doesn't represent your ideal. And maybe the only job you can get is one you want to use as a stepping stone towards your actual dream job. So I want to inspire you how to put yourself in the driver's seat and create opportunities for yourself even when you're not yet in that dream role. Then the second category of people that the book was for is those who are looking for promotion. Like I was in 2008 when the economy collapsed and um, all the opportunities for promotion, even at Google, seemed to disappear overnight. And then I have this pattern of like incredible luck and horrible timing. Even people like me who are moving from being entrepreneurs to more traditional entrepreneurs like I did in 2018, after 12 months working at Google, I finally got brave enough to leave and found my own company, not knowing that less than a year and a half later, the pandemic would strike. So sometimes our paths, when we're making these educated guesses and big bets on ourselves, sometimes the cards are a little bit stacked against us. But I've always found that any setback can actually be pivoted into a great advantage because it forces us to get creative and to be more efficient and to be more mindful about what we're working on. Okay, so to all of you aspiring authors out there, I do recommend first starting with an outline and don't rush this part. For me, this took a year to get the outline exactly right of how um, concepts would build upon principles and what stories best illustrated that and how I thought people would best be able to digest really complex uh, principles and, and action items and processes that don't happen overnight. Then workshop it. Take that outline and go to your trusted tribe of people, the people who you think are your ideal users or readers or, or listeners, and get that feedback. Test it and pivot your ideas and then redraft it and start again. So it takes a really long time to actually find your voice and equally important, your audience. I once gave a speech, I share this story in the book. I gave a speech to a conference in Milwaukee. It was a speech I'd given many times before that was always well-reviewed. And um, I, at the end of every conference, since I was so new at speaking, I always asked for the attendee feedback. And I always wanted to have a copy of the tape so I could watch myself back and, you know, set some goals for how I could do things better. So I did that after this conference in Milwaukee and the attendee feedback was horrible. They hated me. And I was really baffled by it because I thought I had kind of given a consistent speech like I had so many times before. And I shared that with my dear friend who is a professional speaker. And she, without missing a beat, just immediately said, oh honey, that's not your audience. It's okay. That's why the same speech that's resonated before isn't now. And I am so grateful she shared that with me 
because there's been so many times in my career where I finally got brave enough to say a goal out loud or I'm trying something new and it isn't received in the way I expect. Sometimes it's just not your audience. Now, there are some experts that we do need to listen to, but there's also those that we can weed out that aren't serving us. And the most important thing I want to share with you in putting together a creative project, especially when it's a new endeavor for you and you're not quite sure of your best practices yet, don't get overwhelmed. Do it in micro sections. Test some things out. Don't get stuck in overwhelm. I remember so clearly the first day of sitting in the cafe near my house with my laptop and that cursor blinking on the blank page, even though I had a very detailed outline. It was so hard. That first page was by far the hardest page to write in the entire book. So I think it's because I was feeling massive overwhelm. This task of writing 68,000 words, which was in my book contract, I literally had to Google how many pages is 68,000 words because I had no idea what that was. Um, so the first draft I had actually ended up writing 80,000. So length was not a problem. We, we just had to weed it down. But for those of you getting started, I want to share a story that really inspired me. Unfortunately, this came to me after I wrote my book. But there's, um, I was listening to an interview with the New York Times uh, book, what would you call it, handle on Instagram. And they were interviewing author uh, Kian Julie Wang. And she wrote this incredible memoir called Beautiful Country. And she um, is sharing this moving story of being an undocumented child living in poverty in the richest country in the world, in the United States, and what that was like for her. And it's so poetic and authentic and beautiful. And I was just so moved by the book. But she shared in this interview that she had actually written the entire first draft of the book in the notes section on her iPhone. So while she was waiting in line at the grocery store or had a couple of minutes, instead of scrolling through Instagram, she would just write a memory or, or take down a story or an idea or a reflection she had about that experience. And then after a year of doing that, she emailed that notes file to herself and she had over 400 pages. So in these little seemingly throwaway moments, she had crafted what became this incredible, powerful, inspiring memoir that is a New York Times number one bestseller. So a lot of you out there might be feeling like your time is not your own, uh, you're already massively overwhelmed, and a creative passion project just isn't in the cards for you. I want to challenge you to follow uh, Kian Julie Wang's example and take those micro moments and allow it to add up to something great. I talk a lot about Pareto's principle, which is a principle in economics that say that we receive 80% of our results from only 20% of our efforts. So if only 20% of your time is available to you, use that very thoughtfully and you can create something that is much bigger than the sum of its parts. If you only have a moment of peace to yourself when you're in line at the grocery store, let's use that. Um, instead of just being consumed by someone else's content, put your thoughts down and create something big. What I want from you most is to make a goal right now, a little bet on yourself and take some microdose daily action steps I'm a big fan of the book Atomic Habits if you want some best practices to get started on this. And also, Ariana Huffington's got a great campaign around this too. So there's a lot of resources out there to help you start these steps. But honestly, fellow authors out there, my biggest <laughs> regret in my writing process that was that I did not keep a journal from way back in the day. Can you imagine if I had my original notebook 
from my my first years at Amazon and Google, um, the things I wrote down, the terms I didn't understand, the things I was observing, that that would be gold to me now. Um, so keep, uh, even if it's just a bullet journal, keep some reflections, things you're learning, stuff you tried that didn't work out, how it went better next time. And then that is gonna become such an incredible playbook for your creative process. I think another important thing is to think about where are you inspired. The environment of writing was really important. So for me, I found that I could not write at home. <laughs> this is when I tried to write at home, I ended up cleaning out my closets or, you know, vacuuming under the sofa, all the things that you never do otherwise. I, I don't know. I just couldn't get in the creative zone. So then I started going to a coffee shop and then my dear friend here in Spain, uh, Jessica, loaned me her office, which has this spectacular view of the Mediterranean, could open up all the windows and hear the waves. And that is where I did my best work by far. But you don't have to have access to the Mediterranean or very generous friends like Jessica. I actually found that sometimes doing something special that would cue my brain that we're in creative mode really helped. So what I do now is that I light a lightly scented candle when I need to be in creative mode, when I'm going to be writing an article or even a strategy memo for a client. When I have a candle burning... I don't know, it's something about that smell or about the flame or the warmth of it or the coziness that gets me in that zone really quickly. So find whatever best practice and habit you can use to inspire yourself and get yourself in the zone faster. And then also be thoughtful about not only the time of day, but the amount of time you're spending on this. Experiment, because I'm sure each of us are different. For me, I did not do well when I tried to write first thing in the morning. <laughs> it is not my process. That's not my zone of genius. I definitely did better in the afternoon. And I also found that if I gave myself too much time or not enough time, I also felt overwhelmed. So for me, the sweet spot was four hours. If I had less than that, I was already in the mode of worrying about the meeting that I had next or watching the clock to make sure that I, I was on track. Or if it was too much, if I had an entirely clear day where I was only writing, I couldn't get started. I didn't have that sense of urgency. So I started uh, creating these zones of writing time that were four hours. And that meant I had a nice amount of time to get out of my head into that creative zone, light that candle, open up all the windows, and then not feel that pressure to start writing because the clock was ticking. And then uh, by the time I was fatigued and I had really written down my, and done my best work, I could leave it and then go on with my other commitments of my day. So those are sure some things that work for me. Hopefully that inspires you to get out there and to start a creative project and get yourself into that zone. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to hear your questions, what your best practices are, because I've got another book to write very soon and I'm still figuring this out. So please tag me, share this with creative friends of yours and um, let me know what's working for you, what questions you have and where you're at in this process. But most of all, I hope you go out there and you make a really big bet on yourselves. I am so inspired by seeing what you're doing. And for my Europeans, please go out there and get your copy of Bet on Yourself, which is um, publishing this week. Thanks, everybody.